Good morning. This is Lance Kenmore with the Kenmore team, and I'd like to welcome you to this week's edition of the Tri-Cities Real Estate Update. As always, you can contact me, Lance Kenmore, anytime direct on my cell phone at 727-8977 or visit us on the web at kenmoreteam.com. Once again, I always like to thank John for hosting and everybody here at the station for working to make this happen. John McKay, how you doing over there? Well, it's been a little windy. Uh, didn't even bother to try to fly a kite this week. As little much, but the wind got rid of all the white stuff. Yes, it did. <laughs> so, so, so that so, was good. Yes, yeah, so so that was that was good for sure. But yes, it did. You know, it, it's just like it normally is. It sneaks in a good day, gives us a little wind, then back. So. But we will take it um, because it seems to be blowing in buyers and <laughs> sellers at a record rate. So mm-hmm. we, um, the market, the real estate market continues to be exceptionally hot. We did see um, a little bit of uptick in pressure with mm-hmm. interest rates over the last couple of weeks. So for those out there looking, if you did not get refinanced in that trough, it's still very, very um, attractive. And if you need a recommendation for a couple lenders to talk to, feel free to hit us up at KenmoreTeam.com. And we'd be glad to help out with that because the rates are still absolutely incredible and uh, can make that purchase more, more affordable. Before we jump into today's topic, we always like to start off with our crazy celebrity real estate story. And this one, I got to say, this one was, this one got to me a little bit. Um, Tim McGraw and mm-hmm. Faith Hill yes. had apparently built a 20-acre Bahamas paradise um, out on their own tropical island. And who during COVID has not thought of escaping to your own tropical island. Yeah. I, I think plenty of people have had that cross their mind from, from time to time. So this is a 20-acre island with 1.3 acres of waterfront, two beaches, um, and they built a 6,500-square-foot house um, that is also connected to other bungalows. Wow. Um, and this place, they bought the property. Um, it was featured on the cover of Architectural Digest in 2017. Um, but they purchased the island in 2003, and it took them nine years um, to make it habitable. In fact, it was... It was really interesting because um, because Tim McGraw said one of the quotes he had in that article was, we set out to build a house, but we were a little bit naive to the scale of the project, meaning uh-huh. that you're on an island, so there's no basic services. He said he felt like they practically had to build a small town with fresh water supply and electricity. So wow. I can only imagine what a what a project um, of that size and, and scope was was like. So in fact I had watched a show that that reminded me a ton. There was a there was a show on HGTV called Renovation Island. And this couple had bought an old, you know, an old hotel that had been abandoned and 
uh, the shipping and it's not like if you know it's not like if the drill breaks you can just run down to Home Depot and get Queensgate another one and get another one like yeah. you're waiting for the next container or you're flying over to one of the one of the main islands so really really interesting um, and absolutely gorgeous pictures of that place at mansion.global if you would like to if you would like to check that out one of the things um, we always like to do on the show is inventory has been so tight uh, that we like to talk about our pick three. And so today I'm actually going to I'm going to jump into a pick three um, because we've we've got some great new inventory at some price points uh, that have been starving for inventory. And so uh, pick number one that we just got listed, 5303 Santa Fe Lane in Pasco. This is a five-bedroom, three-bath West Pasco view home. I mean, you can see the Blue Mountains on a clear day. Gorgeous. 4,200 square feet. Perfect for entertaining. Main floor has that great room layout, large windows, den office off the entry, large living room with corner gas fireplace, split bedroom design, so you've got the private master retreat on one side, the two additional secondary bedrooms and hall bath on the other side. And then downstairs, you've got a 50 by 23 lower level rec room um, with a walkout patio. And then backyard entertaining is crazy because they've got a covered deck, fully fenced yard, and they've got a cascading waterfall into a koi pond. So just as our weather starts to get good. And all of that that I just listed coming in at four ninety nine nine, so just under five hundred thousand for that square footage for those type of upgrades, awesome property. Pick number two, listen up to listen up to this price point one nine 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 zero four East Bulls Road in Kennewick. Um, oh my gosh! Bring your here's here's our here's our mini farm. Bring okay. your animals. Bring your stock trailers, your tractors, your trucks. Fill this small ranch type property up. Um, three bedroom, two bath, brick home Rambler on two irrigated acres in East Kennewick. Mm. Completely fenced and cross fenced. It has solid set irrigation ready for horses or beef cows or or you know or your pack goats for hunting that you want to keep out there. I mean, I could think of a lot of things for you to put out there. Mm -hmm. Detached drive-through, three-car garage. Um, Garage shop has extra workspace. Updated vinyl windows. Um, the home has a large living room, brick fireplace, gorgeous hardwood flooring throughout the throughout the bedrooms. Master suite has a private three-quarter bath. Lots and lots of possibilities here. Tons of trailer parking, boat parking, RV parking. And that's coming in at the price point that is so hot right now. 360000 So absolutely awesome, awesome property. And then last one, pick number three. Um, if Are you looking for that same type of acreage I just described on pick number two to build your home? Well, you've got one acre building lots all around around Kennewick that sell for 200000 plus all day long. We've got a nine acre parcel um, view acreage in Kennewick. Great opportunity to build your dream home on. Um, central Kennewick neighborhood, easy access to amenities. That's nine acres, and that's priced at one eighty nine nine. So the pick three this week, we've got some fantastic options. Finally starting to see some of that 
early spring inventory break loose. Um, people got the last snow out of their system. I hope so. Knock on wood around here in the studio. Yep. And um, and so there, people are starting to put those things on the market. If you've if you've been looking over the last two months and got very frustrated and and couldn't figure out exactly what was coming, we're daily now seeing more of that inventory, more of that spring market inventory um, start to come. Our photographers have been out taking a lot of pictures. Our coming soon pipeline is getting full. So shoot us a message at KenmoreTeam.com if you've been frustrated in the past and want to get back into that looking mode. There's some great, great options coming out there. Okay, this week, what I wanted to talk to and bring attention to is our real estate state forms that we use as real estate agents and generally in the industry have gone through every couple of years, they'll do kind of a major overhaul on these forms. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it was a little bit important to talk about industry trends that have driven some of these changes in our in our forms and and what that means to you as the consumer on a forward facing transaction you might as a consumer not you know you hire a real estate agent you hire somebody like us to help guide you through this process and you might say geez lance what do i need to know about these forms changes but the changes that are going into these forms are significant because the industry has been driving that. So, mm. and we're going to start on a really, really basic level. And one of the major changes, um, and some might call it a minor change, but just a difference, is our forms always indicated which real estate agent was representing you. Mm-hmm. And prior to this change, and these changes are going to go into effect March 3rd, um, the listing broker would generally represent, McKay, if I told you a listing broker, who in the transaction would the listing broker generally generally represent? The company, the brokerage, the the firm, the care Buyer or seller. Uh, if the house is being listed, that means it's the seller. Yeah, you, so, you nailed it, right? So the Kenmore team would so, be listing a house in Pasco. A- absolutely. So that's very common knowledge and Ta-da. stuff. Now, now let's say you don't know anything, and I and I say, okay, in this in this transaction, um, in this transaction, who does the selling agent represent? The buyer or the seller? The seller. Right, selling agent, and see how confusing it was. That was not how the previous version of the forms was written. Oh, it was the it was it was literally, I mean, kind of the dumbest thing. Like, so you had the listing broker identified as representing clearly representing the seller, Um, but then uh, the buyer's broker was identified on our previous form as the as the selling broker. And so people would get really confused because they thought sell seller, but it was the selling broker because it brought the buyer. So obviously, like our, you know, attorneys at the state level and stuff, they reviewed these forms and they said, you know, kind of like Lance just explained, why don't we just call the buyer's agent or broker? Why don't we just call him the buyer broker? Like, why do we have to say selling? So our forms throughout all of our forms are now going to be updated. So it's very clear that you know who your broker is. If you're the Mm -hmm. buyer of a property, it will say, and there will be a check mark on there now that says 
buyer broker represents buyer. I mean, it just it makes it makes sense to all of us. We yes. would have thought that would have been the case. So great change. Love to see that go into play there. Second big change on the face of our documents that you will see is if you've bought a house in the past, there's always been the pressure of what's called delivering the earnest money. Hmm. So you write an offer with your agent and you say, I'm going to put an offer in on that $250,000 house and I'm going to put down my good faith deposit. It'll credit to me at closing, but I'm going to put down $2,000 earnest money. And so then a lot of times the client would say to Lance, to, to myself, they would say, Lance, when is, when do I need to have that earnest money turned into the, to the closing agent? And our contract before um, was very, very clear that it would have two days, um, two days you had to deliver that, deliver that, er, that earnest money. Very, very interesting change. Um, and I'm not a fan of it. And I will tell you why. Um is now on the face of our agreements, the earnest money delivery is a negotiated item. It's a number Mm. that the agent, that the buyer and the buyer's agent come up with when they write that offer. It's a negotiated timeframe. They could put five days in there. They could put 10 days in there. Now, why some people are a fan of this, because if someone was traveling and they did digital signatures and stuff, there was a lot of talk in the industry that it was difficult sometimes for those situations to meet the guidelines of the two days. Mm -hmm. I get that. Now, why do you say, why does Lance say, I'm not a fan of this? Well, I'm not a fan of this because the most auditable item, and we, we are, you know, our license is governed by the state of Washington and we go through audits. The most audible item... Um, that they look for and that you will get dinged for during an audit is delivery of earnest money per the contract. Well, when it when it's always the same amount of days, in my mind, that's a great system because I we can systemize that. We can we can have systems that say check earnest money every day every two days, mm-hmm. um, confirm that it was deposited at escrow, and we know exactly what that looks like. The more difficult part now is from a checkup standpoint, every single contract we get now could have a different earnest money delivery time frame. And so now you're like, gosh, I, you know, I sold that house on Van Giesen and that was three days. And then I also sold, you know, I also sold the one on Clearwater. Gosh, and how many days was that earnest money? So instead of being like a normal thing, Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have a lot of people retraining their systems and their brains to be looking out for potentially any potential day that that earnest money could could be due. So talk to your agents about that. If you're going to be writing offers in the next month or two, that's going to be an item you're going to talk about. What are the advantages of that? What are the disadvantages of that? And agents representing sellers are going to have to pay particular attention to what that looks like when they get those when they get those offers. We've gone over the first two of the major changes to the forms that real estate agents will be using. When we come back from the break, we're going to hit two or three more highlights of the changes coming in the pipeline to our standard Washington State real estate forms. Right here on News Talk 870. Welcome back to the Tri-Cities Real Estate Update. Today we've been talking, in our industry, we've got a major, semi-major, I mean, theoretically, there's some there's some things in these forms. It's a revision of the forms 
that we use, our statewide forms. That uh-huh. So a lot of real estate agents use. Before the break, we were talking about some of those revisions being negotiated time periods for earnest money and some semantics with the language of who actually represents you. Um, now being called buyer broker representing the buyer and listing broker representing the seller. Uh, they're just to confuse things previously, they had said that was a selling firm represented the buyer, which made no sense at all to John McKay either. <laughs> so, 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 so what was, what's next up on the list? And, well, this one I, I thought was a little bit humorous, um, but at the same time brings up a great point of confusion. And so there is a paragraph in our purchase and sale agreement agreement that is called included items. And a lot of buyers, when they walk through a house, they will say, gosh, what is included? You know, generally fixtures mm. are. And so, well, what is a fixture? Um, so in the industry... Light fixtures? Well, it could be, but in the simple definition, and light fixtures are one of them, you are right. In the simple definition, we generally will revert back to, is it screwed or attached to a wall permanently? Um, but there is very descriptive language that talks about what's included. Um, And included in the sale, it says our built-in appliances, wall-to-wall carpeting, curtains and drapes and other window treatments, windows and door screens, storm doors and windows, installed TV antennas, ventilating, air conditioning and heating fixtures, fireplace doors, gas logs and gas log lighters, irrigation fixtures, and electric garage door openers. Hmm. So when you when you look at that list, what was not on that list prior to the forms um, change was they added garbage disposal. Oh my! Which makes me think somebody that was selling their house took their disposal <laughs> took with their garbage. Okay, that's like dumb. So, and here we are with attorneys, you know, looking at forms, revisions, and stuff, but. A lot of times, you know, properties won't come with the garbage disposal and maybe a homeowner installs one and then says to themselves, well, gosh, there wasn't one here when I bought my house. I installed that. I'm going to take that with me to the next place. Wow. Um, when clearly it would be considered screwed or attached, you know, to To, to the, me, that'd to be the like property. taking the toilets. Well, yeah, it, it's right up there. So I did have to chuckle when I saw that listed as one of the form revisions. But one of the things that comes up a lot of times that people don't realize, and we've had numerous disputes over the years about this, is if you go back and read in that paragraph and remember what I just said, and one of them was curtains, drapes, and all other window treatments. And, you know, a lot of time you'll be like in a kid's bedroom or something and, you know, grandma has sewn and made a matching you know, a matching curtain to the bedspread, you know, that's in the and the room. And so it's always very strange when all of the furniture leaves and you have a random, you know, 
random curtain up there. That's a little more reasonable. If they take the curtains, you're like, well, because you're probably going to change them out anyway. So what happens a lot of times, though, is when it's listed in a contract like that and a buyer knows that and then a seller takes that, then we end up having a dispute over over what happened. And so agents definitely have to do a good job of working with their clients to say, Hey, do we are there certain rooms or drapes that we need to exclude from the offer, which you would do on another line item um, to keep people on the same page? The other thing um, that I've seen happen is it says in there that lighting fixtures are included. So before you sell your house, a lot of times we'll see people, they have like a fancy chandelier in their entryway, and it might be a family heirloom. And we've had in the past where we've had sellers um, put their property up for sale. They go to sell it. Uh, they go under contract with the buyer. And then when they're moving like five to eight days before, they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, of course we're taking grandma, great grandmother's chandelier. They pull it down. They replace it with a night with a sh- another chandelier, um, but they don't say anything. And then the you know Mr. and Mrs. Buyer come in, and the reason they loved that home was when they opened the door. There was that beautiful chandelier. antique chandelier, and they notice it's different. So, if you have a family heirloom like that or something on the property you're planning on not including, we always suggest. Prior to going on the market, you remove those items from the home and take them off the plate so that a potential buyer never sees them. Another area of conflict that we have a lot of times with is in the garage. Garage cabinets. Are those freestanding garage cabinets or did the buyer feel like they were attached to the wall or the workbench that was screwed to the wall and then is magically gone on Or the storage shelving. Or the storage shelving. And so those are items that need to have clarification because the default language in the purchase and sale agreement a lot of times is not sufficient to handle to handle that type of dispute. So mm. be on the lookout. If there's something you really, really want with a property, um, let your agent know that that is a big deal in your in your decision making. Um, another big one we run into is home automation equipment. Ooh. So is the you know is the receiver for the surround sound? Is the are the special voice activated Alexa light bulbs? that are screwed into the fixtures part part of the situation or is the wireless home security absolutely so items to really have on your radar if it's important to you let your agent know so that you can get it on the document during negotiation the next big change and a major change that people can get caught up in is the financing addendum. Traditionally, the last 20 years in in real estate, the financing addendum um, has always been a source of contention between buyers and sellers. What's in there? What type of information are, are we allowed to get? When can we get it? The new forms, the new financing addendum has a very important line item in it. In the past, 
there has always been a feeling of secretiveness with mm-hmm. a buyer's financial situation and their loan. For instance, you you look at a pre-approval letter; it feels it feels good. Um, you think things are going good. You go under contract with the buyer, and then ten days later, Lance here. I'm representing the seller, and the seller calls me up and says, "Hey, Lance." Um, I just want to kind of double check. Are things going along well with the loan? And how's that How's that going? Well, um, 10 years ago, it was very common then. I would call, um, you know, Bob Smith at XYZ Realty. And I'd say, hey, Bob, how's things going with your, with your lender? And Bob, being in sales, he might have a tendency to say, um, oh, God, Lance, things are going great. We're just flying <laughs> along over here. Uh-huh. And just 10 minutes ago, he got off the phone with the lender and the lender said, Bob, I don't know if we're going to be able to close this deal out. It's touch and go. Ooh. you know. And so there was always this divide. Well, about five years ago, the industry said, hey, we need a predetermined negotiation option that it at 10 days or 12 days or 15 days we we need to let we need to let Lance just go directly to that buyer's lender even if he doesn't represent that buyer we need to give Lance a mechanism to have permission to go and get the real story. I mean, we're holding this house off the market here. Yeah. So there was a mechanism and there was a form and dates that we would negotiate in. And that's how we've really spent the last the last four to five years using that mechanism. The new financing addendum mechanism. It's not even a fill in the blank. It is now standard language in the financing addendum that says buyer authorizes the listing broker and seller to inquire about the status of buyer's loan approval with lender any time prior to closing. And furthermore, if lender tries to say they cannot talk to those parties because of disclosure laws or privacy of information laws with their buyer, it further says buyer will execute an authorization form if required by the lender to accomplish the same. No more secrets, buyer. No yeah. more. I don't know if your loan's going to get done, or there's, um, you know, there's a credit issue you're trying to fix, but it's dicey. Um, the the seller and the listing agent blanket have permission up front to make those inquiries. Awesome mechanism for sellers. Um, yes. Awesome mechanism for transparency in the in the industry, and, and be and being able to do that. So, point of the matter for the buyers. Get your ducks in a row ahead of time because someone's going to be double checking. Yes. So that that was a big change. Second big change we see on that financing contingency is there is now a provision, which a lot of sellers, I believe, in the future will be pushing for. There is now a provision of automatic waiver of financing. A lot of times, buyers like to keep the financing contingency in play for the majority of the under contract time period so that if something happens, they can get their earnest money back. Um, Now, there is an option to have an automatic waiver of financing that says, um, and the default here is 21 days, 21 days after mutual acceptance, um, unless buyer gives notice of termination of this agreement, the financing contingency shall conclusively be deemed waived. That means that after that is waived, 
if something were to happen with the buyer's financing, they are going to lose their earnest money. Like if Ooh. they are not, if they don't get the financing, they do not have the protection now of that financing addendum. What is the takeaway here? And I was on a call and training on a Zoom call and training earlier this week. And the takeaway here from the attorneys um, at the state level and the Washington Association of Realtors was if that option box is checked, you better be sure you have a competent lender. Mm. Um, because after that time frame, you're going to have audit, you're going to have an automatic, you know, waiver of the financing. Yep. If the lender doesn't close, you've now put the client's earnest money at risk. And so make sure you're working with a, you know, with a local lender that has, uh, the ability to close on time that feels confident about the loan package that you've put together um, and is responsive to make that happen. Next thing that I want to bring up and probably last thing as we run out of time here is a change to the inspection addendums to make things a little bit more intense for the buyer the buyer's agent and their inspection. A change that we had later that was um, a couple of years ago that was incorporated into our forms is the liability of a seller receiving an inspection report that was hired by a buyer for a buyer. And if the transaction didn't go through, so let's say that a buyer said, well, these 12 things are wrong with the home. Mm -hmm. They deliver that report to the seller and says, these 12 things are wrong. I want you to fix them. And seller says, nope, I'm not fixing them. Um, Are you moving forward or not? And buyer says, no, we're out. So they leave the transaction. Well, now there's a heightened disclosure issue because the seller now has to disclose those 12 things that were on that inspection report that are wrong with the house. Oh, And so now um, it is deemed that potentially that buyer's inspection report and that buyer have had a detrimental impact on the seller's value of their house because now they have to disclose, even if they disagree with those items of the and the opinions of that inspector, they're still going to be deemed having information they might have to disclose. So what happened is we said um, the new language in these forms now says the inspection report says buyer shall not provide the inspection report or portion of the report to seller unless seller requests otherwise the information. Ah. So if the buyer makes a request, the seller might say, hey, just send me the two or three pages of the report that apply to your request. Because if this doesn't work out, I don't want all of the subjective opinion of the other items in there that I would have to disclose. So then you're saying to yourself, well, what would happen if the buyer or the buyer's agent accidentally delivered that report. Well, before that was unclear. It's very, very clear right now. If buyer provides any portion of the inspection report to the seller or vice versa, the seller's agent, without seller's prior written consent as required by paragraph six, the inspection contingency shall conclusively be deemed waived. So if the buyer's agent accidentally says, hey, Lance, you're representing that house over on, you know, on on 1219 George Washington Way, you know, you're not going to believe what was in this inspection report. And they hit send and they send it over to me. 
without the knowledge of the seller. You know, just say we're having a discussion and they accidentally send me that report. Um, And so now I have information that I've received at the office and and that's deemed receipt by the seller. That agent, by making that mistake and sending that report, has now waived the entire inspection contingency for and it becomes null and void for their buyers. So any request they make, it, we're just we could just say no, and then when the um, buyer backs out, we're going to keep the earnest money. Wow! And so there are some very very distinct changes. Agents in the market, agents you're working with, make sure you're checking that they have been updated on the new forms, that they've been trained on these changes, and they understand the impact to you as their client. So yes. Very awesome week. I mean, I I love learning these things. I think there were some positive changes in these forms for the consumers and for the industry. I also think there's some eyebrow-raising changes, which I talked about, that might not necessarily be positive, but we're going to immediately start making changes to be able to meet the needs of of those changes. If you have any questions at all, I know it's kind of difficult on the radio that that's a lot to throw at somebody but um bottom line is we are staying up to speed educated ahead of the curve on these things to best represent you as a buyer and seller when you want that high level representation go to kenmoreteam.com shoot us a message we would be glad to interview to earn your business and help out with that in the meantime as always we're out there in the market um, buying and selling houses and helping clients clients buy and sell properties. And of course, we will be right back here next week. Right here on News Talk 870.